is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman. Well, if is that really in the Bible? I want you to imagine the grand celebration of your birthday. And let's say someone rented a civic center that would hold about 10,000 people. Now, maybe you say, well, I don't really know that many people. Uh, if you're like me, you would just know all you would need is a big closet and you could fit everybody into a big closet. But let's say you were a famous person, a movie star, uh, a singer, a country western singer or something like that. And you had thousands of fans and friends that just loved you. And they were there to celebrate your birthday. And a huge civic center is rented out, will hold about 10,000 people. The tables are set. It's a candlelight dinner. They've, they've got the place decorated. They're all there to celebrate your birthday. They've all brought their gifts for you. Yep, and it comes time to honor your birthday. And you get up on stage, and as you walk up on stage, you notice that nobody notices you. And you notice and you, you know, you tap on the microphone trying to get everybody's attention and you know that everybody's sharing their food and talking back and forth and swapping gifts among themselves and just having a great time together. But no one really notices you and you thought it was all about your birthday, celebrating your birthday. Now, do you realize what I just explained to you? is exactly what happens every Christmas season. Now, maybe you haven't thought about it, but you need to think about it. Now, does the Bible even speak of this celebration of Christmas, of the things that we do, claiming that it's really all about Jesus? Does the Bible speak to this issue? Well, I believe it does. In Jeremiah 10 and verse 1, it says, Hear the word which the Lord speaks unto you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nail and hammer that it moves not. Now there's an old saying that if the shoe fits, wear it. Why is this scripture that seems to explain exactly what our traditions are in our modern society today? Now, now actually, it probably was not an actual Christmas tree. It was probably more like an upright totem pole that they would decorate. But, but you got to ask the question, why is this verse in the Bible? Is it just a coincidence that this verse is in the Bible explaining something, a tradition that we, we do as a society. Why is it in there? Okay. Now I'm going to give you some homework at the end of this program. And what I want you, the question we're going to be answered, I'm going to be asking you is this, how would Jesus Christ want us to celebrate his birthday?
Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with celebrating his birthday. I mean, to be grateful that, that, that Christ was born is something that we should all do. To, to admire, to, to, to love the fact that he came in, that he was born as a baby. Of course, grew up, you know, uh, spent 33 and a half years on this earth. Uh, his ministry was about three and a half years. Now, all of that is, is to, be, to appreciate that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to send me your answers by mail, by phone, by email. I'll put that up at the end of the program. Uh, how would Jesus Christ want us to celebrate his birthday? How would you want your birthday to be celebrated? Would you want it to be celebrated the way I illustrated at the beginning of this program? where the huge civic center was rented and you went completely unnoticed and everybody else was just having the rip-roaring good time, swapping gifts, eating food and doing all that stuff and, and decorating their places, you know. Would, would, would that satisfy, would that please you? Okay. Now, the first thing we got to get straight is this. Jesus was not born on or anywhere near December 25th. Now, to study this takes some effort. And I know in church, that's something you, you just don't care about doing uh, as far as reading the Bible and studying things and, and looking into the scripture. That's something that you just, you just, you're there and it's like there, there's someone drills a hole in the top of your head and puts a funnel in there and pours in mainstream churchianity. And that's all you care about, you know. But if you study this, the course of Abijah, the course of Abijah is, is in the temple, the priests served different times in the temple. And it has to do with the conception of John the Baptist and the conception of, uh, uh, not conception of John the Baptist, but the conception of, of Jesus Christ, Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. And as you, you look at that period of time, it places the birth of Jesus Christ in the fall of the year, not in the dead middle of winter. Okay, Bullinger's Companion Bible plate says that Christ was born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, it's one of God's holy days. Now, why is this significant? Well, it's significant because everything happens for a reason on God's holy days. Not only are the holy days all about Jesus Christ, but events occur on those holy days. For example... The Passover. Passover is on the 14th, a Nisan, Nisan, or whatever. And Christ sacrificed himself on the 14th. Okay? That's significant. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. Now, why on the day of Pentecost? Why, did God, why didn't God wait and say, well, let's do it 20 days before Pentecost? Let's do it 10 days before Pentecost. Why did he wait until, in fact, they were told to wait for the promise? of the Holy Spirit, but it came on the day of Pentecost, which is one of God's annual holy days. Feast of Trumpets, as we look into the future, Christ will more than likely return on the feast of the trump shall sound, Christ returns, and the dead in Christ rise first. This will happen on the Feast of Trumpets. So there, now, on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Christ was born. He came into this world and tabernacled among us. The word tabernacle just means it was like a tent. And it's, it, it's comparable to our physical bodies, you know, comparing the body to a tent. 
You ever as a little kid put up a tent out in the woods somewhere and you came back, just left it out there, came back about a year later, and of course the poles are rotted and rusted and the, and the, the canvas is ripped to bits and pieces. Our physical body is like a tent. It wears out. It gets old, it gets ugly, it wears out, and it dies. Okay, Christ came into this world, flesh and blood, just like we are, and he tabernacled in a physical body just like we do. All right, John 1 and verse 14, reading from the New King James Bible, and the word became flesh. Now, when did the word become flesh? Well, when he was born, when he came into the world, okay? When he was born of a virgin Mary, okay? The word became flesh, all right? And tabernacled, notice the language, among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, here's the thing. If you're celebrating Jesus' birthday on December 25th, you've just missed his birthday by about three months, okay? Now, that's part of your homework also. Does God care? You know, I mean, how would you feel if people kept celebrating your birthday three months late, you know? Just never could get it right or whatever. Um, now, now, here's the thing. There, there's an emotional attachment to the celebration of Christmas. And in, in fact, it's probably 99% what you feel. Well, I just feel it, it's the right thing to do, you know. Most people cannot separate their emotions from the truth. In fact, what a lot of religious people think uh, what, 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 what they, you know, the, they think their emotions are the truth. What they feel is truth. And that's not true at all. Uh, I, I just, if I feel it, it's got to be love. You know, how, how many people, how many mistakes have been made? You know, if, if it just feels like love. I'm in love. And a couple jump in the back seat of the car, make love. An unwanted child comes into the world. And then the guy leaves the girl. And, you know, she's thinking, well, I thought it was love. He said he loved me. We felt like it was love. What we did felt like love. And now, it, well, you see, see, you can't trust your emotions. You can't trust your feelings. Now, question, what makes 90% of professing Christians Christian? They say they are. That's it. Or in other words, they feel like they are. I feel like I'm a Christian, okay? Why do you feel like you're a Christian? Uh, because I go to church. Okay. They're not able to separate what they feel from the truth, okay? In fact, often there is no truth in their relationship with God. For example, John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Did you know commandment keeping has to do with the love of your love for God? Love is a matter of the will. It's not just what you sit around and feel. It's what you do, you see. John 14 and verse 16. All right, if you, again, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter so that you may be, may be, he may be with you forever. All right, what is this comforter? All right, here it is. John 14 and verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. 
Notice this. This is interesting language. Jesus said, the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive. Why do you think that's true? Why is that true? That the world cannot even receive the spirit of truth. Well, it's because often we cannot separate what we feel from the truth. We think our emotions reveal truth. And often they simply do not. Okay. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Okay, speaking of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth before he dwells in you and shall be in you, provided you have the indwelling leadership and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And there's a way to receive the Spirit of God. For a more in-depth study on that, order my program, uh, The Formula on How to Receive the Spirit of God. So, in 1 John 2 and verse 4, it says, He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We must get past what we feel about God and into the truth about God. Now, let me illustrate to you a little story about emotions and truth. Okay, there's a story about a, a, a man who has a wife and three children. Now, the wife and three children are at home. They're alone. He's not there. They need him to be there. They need him to provide financially. They need him to provide his love. He needs to be there as a teacher for the children to teach, to love, to comfort. But he's not there. Okay, he's across town sitting at a bar, sitting on a bar stool. He's about three sheets in the wind. And he's talking to the bartender. And he's got big tears rolling down his face as he talks to the bartender about how much he loves his wife and three children. Now, he's feeling a feeling. And the feeling is genuine. It's real because he's got real tears rolling down his face. But is this real love? No, it's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. You see, real love, if you love me, keep my commandments, real love would require him to be with his wife and children instead of across town at a bar, getting drunk, telling the bartender how much he loves his wife and three children. Okay, we've got to be able to separate. Don't trust your feelings or emotions. I don't trust my feelings as far as I can spit, okay? So I feel like, and people come along, and I just feel like Jesus is the reason for the season. How many times have you heard that? Jesus is the reason for the season. Listen. That may be true. Well, not really. It's not even the truth. It's a lie. But look at what we're doing. And if you ask people, why do you believe Jesus is the reason for the season? Well, because of the beautiful Christmas cards. Oh, they're so beautiful. Why do you think Jesus is the reason for the season? Well, because of the beautiful lights that I see. Because of the beautiful Christmas trees and the gifts and the gold and the red and the green packages. And, and well, why do you believe Jesus is the reason for the season? Well, because of the snowfall and the, you know, and, and yet, have you ever been to California around December 25th? I have. Let me tell you something. It's 70 degrees. 
most of those heathens don't even you know believe in, in Jesus in the first place, so there's not that many much decoration. And it doesn't fit, and here's the word, it doesn't feel like Christmas. Doesn't feel like it at all. And there's the emotion. There's the emotion. Now, you know, some people just go a little bit too far with this issue. I mean, you know, I'm supposed to believe, okay, you got two cars with a Christmas tree on top. That means they believe in Jesus, by the way, because they got the Christmas tree on top. They're, they're celebrating Christmas and they have a fender bender and they're out cursing the sky blue and, and you know, maybe flipping each other off because of, you know, or, or, or Black Friday. Why do they call it Black Friday? And suddenly, so, you know, they have a stampede and someone gets trampled to death. Okay. And I'm supposed to believe, okay, now get this. I'm supposed to believe that Jesus Christ is up in heaven like this saying, all this for me. They're doing it all for me. I'm supposed to believe that. Okay. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah, I appreciate that he was born, but our actions speak louder than words. You know, our actions, you know, God's not going to judge you on what you felt. He's going to judge you on what you did. Well, you don't understand, David. Uh, Christmas brings back such pleasurable moments, memories for me. Memories. I have such good memories. Okay, that may apply to you. But, you know, if your uncle molested you on Christmas Eve, you wouldn't have such good feelings about Christmas, would you? It depends on your circumstances. It depends on what you're going through. You know, how do third world countries celebrate Christmas? I mean, over in Africa where they're starving to death, you know, what kind of Christmas do they have? You know, I don't know. And, and besides, how many atheists celebrate Christmas? You ever thought about that? I once read statistics about how many atheists celebrate Christmas. It was a huge number of Now, if you know an atheist who celebrates Christmas, you may want to ask them, why do you celebrate Christmas? If you claim there is no God and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then, then why are you doing that? You may want to ask that. Now, how, how do atheists justify celebrating Christmas? Well, you know, that's not the question that maybe we need to be asking. The question we need to ask is how do Christians justify celebrating Christmas? How do they justify it in their minds? Now, listen to me. The Hebrew mindset, the one you find in the Bible, is this. God, what do you want me to do? That's the Hebrew mindset. That's the correct mindset that you find in the Bible. Adam and Eve. What do you want me to do? Two trees. Don't eat of that one. Don't eat of that one. Noah, what do you want me to do? Build an ark. Moses, what do you want me to do? Go up Mount Sinai with, you know, the Ten Commandments, whatever. Uh, the Hebrew mindset that you find in the Bible is, Lord God, what do you want me to do? The Greek mindset, the one we find in today's culture is, what do you want me to feel? And you see, that's, that's, that's what drives our religion today. What do you want me to feel? I got to feel something, you know? And people go to church in search of their emotions and what they, they, they can feel. 
And I'm not saying emotions are bad. I'm saying for, we've got the cart in front of the horse. It's not what do you want me to feel. It's first what do you want me to do, God. And then once you do what God wants you to do, you will have the correct emotions attached to what you're doing. You see, Christmas is all about what you feel and the emotions attached to it. You see. Now, name, a little test here, name the two most important holidays found in your Bible. What are they? Christmas and Easter, right? Some would be so gullible to say a Halloween in church, but that all of those answers, none of those holidays are found in your Bible, okay? They're not found in your Bible. Christmas, Easter, Halloween, not in there. Yeah, Jesus was born, I understand that. But those celebrations, Christmas, Easter, and Halloween, not found in your Bible. So why are we celebrating God with, with holidays that are not found in the Bible? Now, don't get me wrong. I know Christ was born. I know Christ was resurrected. But we're dealing with the question, how would Christ want us to celebrate these events? Now, I mentioned the homework. Here's the homework. What do you do every Christmas that's Christmas that truly says to God, thank you for the birth of your son. What do you do? Let me repeat that. What do you do every Christmas that truly says to God, thank you for the birth of your son? Now, there's nothing wrong with saying thank you. I mean, that's, that's where you start by, by saying it, you know, but what actions could you take to say thank you? For your son, who came into the world, was born, and of course, grew up and died for my sins. All right? Well, let's get an answer here. Matthew 25 and verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink? And when saw we a stranger and took you in, naked and clothed you? Or when saw you sick and, or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of these least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. You know, how about putting your money where your mouth is? You know, you could start right there. As to how would God want us to celebrate his birthday? Start putting your money where your mouth. There are all kinds of charitable donations, all kinds of Organizations. I just recently heard about one on, on talk radio about where you could pay, I think like $20 for uh, a young woman who is pregnant to get a sonogram. Because once they see that baby inside, most, I forget what percentage, 90, 90 some percent, refuse to get an, an abortion once they see that child inside, you know, the little baby's heart beating they refused, and I think what a wonderful organization, and what a you know twenty dollars to do that. Smile Train is another organization that I think of where these children, poor children with deformed mouths, they don't they can't even smile, and they go in there and reconstruct their mouths so they have a beautiful smile. Uh, just just all kinds of or, all kinds of good things that we could be doing, and I'm not saying you know some people do exactly what I'm saying here at Christmas time, and God bless you for that. Uh, 
But you know, the, the bottom line is this. Merchants make 50% of their yearly income at Christmas time. Now think about that. Merchants make 50% of their yearly income at Christmas time. My personal conviction is this. This day would not even be celebrated if it wasn't for the merchandising of it. Okay. Now, Leviticus 23 and verse 4 tells us something about God's holy days. It says, these are the feasts. Now, don't confuse holy days with holidays. Holidays that celebrate God are man-made. These are the feasts of Jehovah, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Yeah, there are certain seasons of the year when we are to celebrate these events. I already mentioned everything happens for a reason on God's holy day. On the Passover, the 14th, Christ's blood was shed for us. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. On the Feast of Trumpets, Christ going to return to this earth. Uh, on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacle, Christ was born. He came into this world and tabernacled among us. Notice Zechariah 14 and verse 16, and this is in the future when Christ returns. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What this reveals is when Christ returns, you're going to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, now I want to offer you an offer. I don't have it here up with me, but seven holy days. I'll offer that at the end of this program that are all about Jesus Christ and these events that occur on these holy days. Now, why would we not keep the holy days that are commanded in the Bible? These are the Feast of Jehovah. And why would we keep holidays that are not found in your Bible? You know, that's a question that one day God will ask you personally. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. The annual holy days found in your Bible are all about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you wanted to know more about Jesus Christ and what God is doing, the place to begin is with a good understanding of God's annual holy days. But why do most churches know next to nothing about these days? Very early in church history, the dominant Christian churches made a transition from Sabbath to Sunday as the day of worship. The holy days fell into disuse, and Christmas and Easter became the two great celebrations. This material offered today is rare, you will not find it offered at your local church. Order today and discover the Jesus Christ that is revealed through His holy days. You may be shocked, you will be challenged, and you will be inspired to find out what your Savior is really up to. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27, Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.